So, hello. <laughs> um, so, welcome to another episode of uh, Aurelotium Podcast. I don't think I've actually even said the name of the podcast once yet. So, there you go. Um, Aurelotium. Yeah, if you see, I don't know, Spotify or Google Podcast or something, you perhaps have seen the explanation as to why it's called that. It's just two words put together, oral and meaning like uh, verbal, meaning, you know, like an oral culture as opposed to a literate culture. Uh, and then otium is this um, Latin word for for leisure. Um, so um, this episode is, it's going to be like the last episode, um, but it shouldn't be as long. Um, I haven't gotten any feedback yet about like the length of these episodes because like the last few were two hours long. I don't know. Um, I mean, personally, if I was interested in a subject, I, I don't think I'd have a problem listening for two hours. Um, I might break it up maybe if I didn't have two hours at that day or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. So but anyway, this is going to be another live, excuse me, it's going to be another live reading of an essay. But the essay is only half the length of the last one. So hopefully it's, well, I don't know if I need to say hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it's going to be not as long. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we, we will see. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even thinking about it. Whenever I've done these, I haven't been uh, so worried about the time. I've just been looking at the time to see how long it was going on. And, and I was always kind of surprised. But anyway, so yeah, I'm not thinking about the time. Um, so this episode it's going to be a live reading but i have never read this essay before um and it's by the same guy that i did the last episode on ralph waldo emerson like i said i had read two of his essays from this book and i mean i really liked them um you know i read it like 10 years ago or something um and then i reread it live for the last episode so i did have a kind of an idea of what the essay was about but this time um I picked an essay in it. So I'm just thinking now, like the, the other episode was all about self-reliance and about like being like an individual, thinking for yourself, all that kind of stuff. So this one, this essay is called Friendship. So it's kind of interesting to see. I'm just thinking now it's going to be interesting to see how this individual, this Ralph Waldo Emerson, how he thought of friendship. Um uh, so I think that that could be a good uh, companion essay to maybe, yeah, to go with all of that uh, individualism of the last essay, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's about about all I need to say really for the intro. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea how this is going to go with this live reading. I don't even know if... I mean, obviously, if it doesn't go down so well, I might abandon the recording. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so, yeah. This is. Let's just see. It's just another experiment. I have never read this essay, so it's yeah, eleven pages long. So I'll I'll just uh, crack on with it, as as they say. So friendship. We have a great deal more kindness than is ever spoken. Here's a word that I've never seen before. M-A-U-G-R-E. Is that a person? Mogra? All the selfishness that chills like east winds the world. 
That's a weird word. Mogre. I don't know what that means. Mogre, all the selfishness that chills like east winds, the world, the whole human family is bathed with an element of love like a fine ether. How many persons we meet in houses whom we scarcely speak to, whom yet we honor. Yeah, this is nice. It's like just how you silently, like the first sentence, we have a great deal more kindness than is ever spoken. Yeah, it's just like the silent respect you have for other people in some situation, how you consider them, I guess is what he's talking about. Um, how many persons we meet in houses whom we scarcely speak to, whom yet we honor and who honor us. They do the same thing kind of back to us. It's, I'm just thinking of that that's that lyric from that song, What a Wonderful World. It's like the line is something like... Um, they say, how are you? But what they really mean is, I love you. <laughs> anyway, um, maybe I've got the lyrics wrong there. But if you look it up, you'll probably see what I was trying to refer to. How many we see in the street or sit with in church, whom, though silently, we warmly rejoice to be with. Um, read the language of these wandering eye beams the heart knoweth. This is like 19th century English, knoweth. He means knows. Um, the effect of the indulgence of this human affection is a certain cordial exhilaration. Um, in poetry and in common speech, the emotions of benevolence and complacency which are felt towards others are likened to the material effects of fire. In poetry and in common speech, the emotions of benevolence and complacency which are felt towards others are likened to the material effects of fire, so swift or much more swift, more active, more cheering, are these fine inward irradiations, irradiations from the highest degree of passionate love to the lowest degree of goodwill. They make the sweetness of life. Mm. Our intellect and active powers increase with our affection. Our intellect and active powers increase with our affection. Mm. The scholar sits down to write and all his years of meditation do not furnish him with one good thought or happy expression, but it is necessary to write a letter to a friend. And forthwith, troops of gentle thoughts invest themselves on every hand with chosen words. See, in any house where virtue and self-respect abide, the palpitation which the approach of a stranger causes." A commended stranger is expected and announced and an uneasiness betwixt, meaning between, pleasure and pain invades all the hearts of a household. His arrival almost brings fear to the good hearts that would welcome him. The house is dusted, all things fly into their places. The old coat is exchanged for the new and they must get up at dinner if they can. Of a commended stranger, only the good report is told by others. Only the good and new is heard by us. He stands to us for humanity. He is 
what we wish. Having imagined and invested him, we ask how we should stand related in conversation and action with such a man. Next page. Oops. And are uneasy with fear. Hmm. The same idea exalts conversation with him. We talk better than we are wont. We have the nimblest fancy, a richer memory. Our dumb devil has taken leave for, for the time. For long hours we can continue a series of sincere, graceful, rich communications drawn from the oldest, secretest experience so that they who sit by of our own kinsfolk and acquaintance shall feel a lively surprise at our unusual powers. Hmm. Um, but as soon as the stranger begins to intrude his partialities, his definitions, his defects into the conversation, it is all over. He has heard the first, the last and best he will ever hear from us. Oh, nice. He is, he is no stranger now. Vulgarity, ignorance, misapprehension are old acquaintances. Vulgarity, ignorance, misapprehension are old acquaintances. Now, when he comes, he may get the older. He may get the order, the dress and the dinner. But the throbbing of the heart and the communications of the soul no more. Hmm. This is kind of like uh, the 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 best um, what you call it, like your best um, assumptions about them have been kind of like <laughs> shot down. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll just read on. What is so pleasant as these jets of affection which makes a young world for me again? What is so pleasant as these jets of affection which make a young world for me again? That was a question. What so delicious as a just and firm encounter of two in a thought, in a feeling? How beautiful on their approach to this beating heart, the steps and forms of the gifted and the true the moment we indulge our affections, the earth is metamorphosed. There is no winter and no night. All tragedies, all ennui, which is like boredom, vanish. Excuse me. All duties, even. Nothing fills the proceeding eternity but the forms all radiant of beloved persons. Let the soul be assured that somewhere in the universe it should rejoin its friend and it would be content and cheerful alone for a thousand years. I awoke this morning with devout thanksgiving for my friends, the old and the new. Shall I not call God the beautiful who daily shows himself to me in his gifts I chide society, I embrace solitude, and yet I am not so ungrateful as not to see the wise, the lovely, and the noble-minded as from time to time they pass my gate. 
who hears me, who understands me, becomes mine. Who hears me, who understands me, becomes mine. A possession, a possession for all time. Nor is nature so poor, she gives me this joy several times. And thus we weave social threads of our own. Hmm. It's nice. A new web of relations. And as many thoughts in succession substantiate themselves, we may by and by stand in a new world of our own creation and no longer strangers and pilgrims in a traditionary globe. My friends have come to me unsought. I'm going to swap hands here. The great God gave them to me. By oldest right, by the divine affinity of virtue with itself, I find them, or rather not I, but the deity in me and in them, derides and cancels the thick walls of individual character. Cool. That's kind of like what I was saying in my intro, comparing the last essay to this one. Um, where was I? I find them, or rather not I, but the deity in me and in them derides and cancels the thick walls of individual character, relation, age, gender, circumstance, at which he usually connives and now makes many one. Hmm. It's about trust, really, isn't it? Uh, when you can... Yeah, it's about trust. High thanks I owe you, excellent lovers, who carry out the world for me to new and noble depths and enlarge the meaning of all my thoughts. These are new poetry of the first bard. Poetry without stop. Him, ode and epic, poetry still flowing, Apollo and the muses chanting still. Will these two separate themselves from me again, or some of them? I know not, but I fear it not, for my relation to them is so pure that we hold by simple affinity, and the genius of my life being thus social, the same affinity will exert its energy on whomsoever is as noble as these men and women, wherever I may be. I confess to an extreme tenderness of nature on this point it is almost dangerous to me to crush the sweet poison of misused wine of the affections a new person is to me a great event and hinders me from sleep i have often had fine fancies about persons which have given me delicious hours I have often had fine fancies about persons which have given me delicious hours, but the joy ends in the day. It yields no fruit. Thought is not born of it. My action is very little modified. I must feel pride in my friend's accomplishments as if they were mine, and a property in his virtues. I feel as warmly when he is praised as the lover when he hears applause of his engaged maiden. We overestimate the conscience of our friend. His goodness seems better than our goodness. His nature finer. 
his temptations less. Hmm. Everything that is his, his name, his form, his dress, books and instruments, fancy, enhances, our own thought sounds new and larger from his mouth. Hmm. Yet the... Hmm, what's this word? Two new words here. Yet the systole, S-Y-S-T-O-L-E, and diastole of the heart, maybe they're uh, anatomical terms for some parts of the heart, um, are not without their analogy in the ebb and flow of love. Friendship, like the immortality of the soul, is too good to be believed. The lover, beholding his maiden, half knows that she is not verily, truly, that which he worships, and in the golden hour of friendship we are surprised with shades of suspicion and unbelief. We doubt that we bestow on our hero the virtues in which he shines, and afterwards worship in the form to which we have ascribed this divine inhabitation. In strictness, the soul does not respect men as it respects itself. In strict science, all persons, oops, all persons underlie the same condition of an infinite remoteness. Shall we fear to cool our love by mining for the metaphysical foundations of this Elysian temple? Shall I not be as real as the things I see? If I am, I shall not fear to know them for what they are. Their essence is not less beautiful than their appearance, though it needs finer organs for its apprehension. The root of the plant is not unsightly to science, though for chaplets and festoons we cut the stem short, and I must hazard the production of the bald fact amidst, amidst, uh, amidst these pleasing reveries, though it should prove an Egyptian skull at our banquet, a man who stands united with his thought conceives magnificently of himself. He is conscious of a universal success, even though bought by uniform particular failures. No advantages, no powers, no gold or force can be any match for him. I cannot choose but rely on my own poverty more than on your wealth. I cannot choose but rely on my own poverty more than on your wealth. I cannot make your consciousness tantamount to mine. So yeah, he's, I think he's just talking about um, what, as he was saying, like when he meets someone else, is he saying like he tends to kind of almost assume that this other person is better than him or something by his own fancy. Um, and now he's trying to like pull himself back out of that, I think. Um where was I? He is conscious of a universal success, even though bought by uniform particular failures. No advantages, no powers, no gold of, or, or force can be any match for him. I cannot choose but rely on my own poverty more than on your wealth. I cannot make your consciousness tantamount to mine. Only the star dazzles. The planet has a faint moon-like ray. 
I hear what you say of the admirable parts and tried temper of the party you praise. But I see well that for all his purple cloaks, I shall not like him unless he, he, he is at least a poor Greek like me. I cannot deny it, O oh friend, that the vast shadow of the phenomenal includes thee in its pied and painted immensity. Thee also, compared with whom all else is shadow, thou art not being as truth is, as justice is. Thou art not my soul, but a picture and effigy of that. Thou hast come to me lately and already, uh, when it says thou, I'm just going to say you. Because as I was saying, some of my some people who might listen to this are not going to be native English speakers. Um, so I'm just going to help that out a little bit. Um, you, thou hast come to me lately. You have come to me lately. And already you are seizing your hat and cloak. It is not that the soul puts forth friends as the tree puts forth leaves. It is not that the soul puts forth friends as the tree puts forth leaves. Mm. And presently, by the germination of new buds, extrudes the old leaf. The law of nature is alternation forevermore. Each electrical state superinduces the opposite. The soul environs itself, surrounds itself, with friends that it may enter into a grander self-acquaintance or solitude. And it goes alone for a season that it may exalt its conversation or society. This method betrays itself along the whole history of our personal relations. The instinct of affection revives the hope of union with our mates. That's nice. One sec. The, where was that? Um... The soul surrounds itself with friends that it may enter into a grander state, self-acquaintance or solitude. Um, and it goes alone for a season that it may exalt its conversation or society. This method betrays itself along the whole history of our personal relations. The instinct of affection revives the hope of union with our mates. The instinct of affection. The instinct of wanting to love people and the returning sense of insulation recalls us from the chase and the returning sense of insulation recalls us from the chase. Thus every man passes his life in the search after friendship. And if he should record his true sentiment, he might write a letter like this to each new candidate for his love. And then he writes, this is his hypothetical letter to future friends. Dear friend, if I was sure of you, sure of your capacity, sure to match my mood with yours, I should never think again of trifles in relation to your comings and goings. I am not very wise. My moods are quite attainable, and I respect your genius. It is to me as yet unfathomed. Yet dare I not presume in you a perfect intelligence of me, and so you are to me as delicious, <laughs> a delicious torment, thine ever or never, yours ever or never. Hmm. 
Yet these uneasy pleasures and fine pains are for curiosity and not for life. They are not to be indulged. This is to weave cobweb and not cloth. Our friends, our friendships hurry to short and poor conclusions because we have made them a texture of wine and dreams instead of tough fibre of the human heart. Hmm, interesting. What's he going to get at here? The laws of friendship are austere and eternal, of one web with the laws of natural and of mor of nature and of morals, but we have aimed at a swift and petty benefit to suck a sudden sweetness. Hmm. We snatch at the slowest fruit in the whole garden of God. Good things take time. I think is what he's getting at which many summers and many winters must ripen. Mm. We seek our friend, not sacredly, but with an adulterate passion, which would appropriate him to ourselves. Yeah, that's cool. We seek our friend, not sacredly, but with an adulterate passion, which would appropriate him to ourselves. In vain. We are armed all over with subtle antagonisms, which as soon as we meet, begin to play and translate all poetry into stale prose. Nice. Um, almost all people descend to meet. All association must be a compromise. And what is worst, the very flower and aroma of the flower of each of the beautiful natures disappears as they approach each other. Hmm. What a perpetual disappointment is actual society. Even of the virtuous and gifted. After interviews have been uh, compassed with long foresight, we must be tormented presently by baffled blows, by sudden unreasonable apathies, by epilepsies of wit and of animal spirits in the heyday of friendship and thought. Our faculties do not play us true, and both parties are relieved by solitude. Hmm. I'm getting a sense of what he's saying. I, I think he's kind of getting at like... um. Kind of like almost keeping your solitude. He was talking about like when you meet someone, you get you get a bit nervous. Or if someone is going to come over to your house, you might get a bit nervous. And you'll... Uh... But, then, but then he's kind of um, talking about... Yeah, I just think he's talking about keep your solitude when you're with someone. And a, a friendship might bond better that way. Because if you keep your solitude, you're maybe being, you know, a truer version of yourself. As opposed to being a version of yourself. I shouldn't have said a truer version of yourself. You're being maybe your truer self as opposed to being a version of yourself with someone else. Maybe is what he's getting at. Um... I think that was the end of that paragraph. Yeah, because when you're not really enjoying the, or when it's, 
when it's when the encounter with the person is not going so well, he ends the paragraph by saying both parties, meaning both people, are relieved by solitude once again. Maybe there was a some kind of inauthentic inauthenticity crept into it. Based on what? I think this is what he's talking about. Our conception of friendship and our conception our conception of what to expect. I think he's he's kind of yeah questioning that. Um, I'll continue on. I ought to be equal. I ought to be equal to every relation. It makes no difference how many friends I have and what content I can find in conversing with each if there be one to whom I am not equal. It makes no difference how many friends I have and what content I can find in conversing with each, if there be one to whom I am not equal. If I have shrunk unequal from one contest, the joy I find in all the rest becomes mean and cowardly. I should hate myself if then I made my other friends my asylum. Okay, I'm getting a sense of what he's saying, but I'll continue on. Maybe he's going to... How many? It's not so many pages left. What was it? Yeah, not so many. I'll go on. Um, the, this is a, a quote. Maybe it's a, a poem or something. The valiant warrior, famous for fight, after a hundred victories, once foiled is from the book of honor raised quite, meaning erased, and all the rest forgot which he toiled. Okay, I, I see how that's relating to the last thing he was saying. Uh, I might have to go back to that paragraph, we'll see, but I'll read on and see if he's going to clarify it again. Our impatience is thus sharply rebuked. Bashfulness and apathy are a tough husk husk is like a shell, in which a delicate organization is protected from premature ripening. Bashful and apathy are a tough husk in which a delicate organization is protected from premature ripening. It would be lost if it knew itself before any of the best souls were yet ripe enough to know and own it. Oh, holding up this book. Because if I leave the book down, I think the recording gets echoey. Anyway. Um, it would be lost if it knew itself before any of the best souls were yet ripe enough to know and own it. Respect the... This looks like a German word. word respect the naturlangs... <laughs> naturlangs... Amkeit... Amkeit which hardens, no idea what that means, which hardens the ruby in a million years and works in duration in which Alps and Andes come and go as rainbows. <laughs> um, the good spirit of our life has no heaven, which is the price of rashness. The good spirit of our life has no heaven, which is the price of rashness. So rashness... Rashness might make you your inauthentic self when you're talking to someone because you're rashly trying to rush some kind of connection, is it? Um, love, which is the essence of God, is not for levity, 
but for the total worth of a man of man let us not have this childish luxury in our regards but the austerest worth let us approach our friend with an audacious trust in the truth of his heart in the breadth impossible to be overturned of his foundations the attractions of this subject are not to be resisted and i leave for the time all account of subordinate social benefit to speak of that select and sacred relation which is a kind of absolute to speak of that select and sacred relation which is a kind of absolute and which even leaves the language of love or suspicious and common so much is the purer and nothing is so much divine hmm. i do not wish to treat friendships daintily but with roughest courage when they are real they are not glass threads or frostwork but the solidest thing we knew for now after so many ages of experience we do what we do what do we know of nature or of ourselves not one step has man taken towards the solution of the problem of his destiny in one condemnation of folly stand the whole universe of men but the sweet sincerity of joy and peace which i draw from this alliance with my brother's soul is the nut itself whereof all nature and all thought is but the husk and shell happy is the house that shelters a friend it might well be built like a festal bower or ark arch to en to entertain him a single day happier if we know the solemnity of that relation and honor its law he who offers himself a candidate for that covenant comes up like an olympian to the great games where the first born of the world are the competitors he proposes himself for contests where time want danger are in the lists and he alone is victor who has truth enough in his constitution to preserve the delicacy of his beauty from the wear and tear of all these hmm um the gifts of fortune may be present or absent but all the speed in that contest depends on intrinsic nobleness and the contempt of trifles i guess it's about thinking the best of your uh companion if you're both thinking the best of each other it might have better results there are two elements that go to the composition of friendship each so sovereign that i can detect no superiority in either no reason why either should be first named one is truth a friend is a person with whom i may be sincere before him i may think aloud i am arrived at i am arrived at last in the presence of a man so real or woman and equal that i may drop even those undermost garments of uh dissimulation courtesy and second thought which men never put off you can just really really 
really freely speak your mind is what he means, I think, and may deal with him with the simplicity and wholeness with which one chemical atom meets another. <laughs> nice, nice phrase. Sincerity is the luxury allowed like diadems, I don't know what that means, and authority only to the highest rank that being permitted to speak truth as having none above it to court or com com uh, conform unto. I'm going to get a drink. So what do you think of this uh, essay while I'm having a drink? <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> um, where was I? Um, eh, Sincer sincerity is the luxury allowed like diadems and authority only to the highest rank that being permitted to speak truth as having none above it to court or conform unto every man alone is sincere at the entrance of a second person hypocrisy begins yeah this is so far for me the, the kind of reoccurring point um, that he's been making yeah, and I think it's it's kind of relating as well to his other essay, self self reliance. Like I remember saying something about like um, if you're in a social situation and you have to speak up, um, to speak as though you are alone, almost you know, to kind of keep your solitude as you speak. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do, but that's what he's really emphasizing here. If you can do that there's a better chance for a better relationship with someone, with a friend. Yeah, that just seems to be a kind of re excuse me, reoccurring theme here in this essay. I think there's only like four pages left now. Um, where was I? Every man alone is sincere. At the entrance of a second person, we get all jittery and, oh, what's this person going to think of me? And, oh, what do I think of them? <laughs> uh, hypocrisy begins. We parry and fend the approach of our fellow man by compliments, by gossip, by amusements, by affairs. We cover up our thought from him under a hundred folds. Talking about the weather... <laughs> well, you could sincerely talk about the weather with someone. Um, I knew a man who... I knew... I'm just distracted. I was just going to say, it. thankfully, we have nice weather here now again. We have, like, real spring weather. It's warm. Anyway, um, it's so nice. Uh, I knew a man under who, under a certain religious frenzy, cast off this drapery. And omitting all compliment. Oh, wait, this is good. I think this is going to be good. So he's saying, uh, yeah, we cover up our thought, like our solitude, our real selves from other people under a hundred folds, meaning kind of like mm, disguises or hip. Yeah, I think you know what I mean. And then he's about to say, I knew a man who under a certain religious frenzy, um, cast off this drapery, all of this uh, hypocrisy and whatnot, and omitting all compliment, he just seemingly, seemingly spoke really sincerely and commonplace, spoke to the conscience of every person he encountered, and that with great insight and, be 
and that with great insight and beauty. At first he was resisted, <laughs> and all men agreed he was mad, but persisting, as indeed he could not help doing, for some time in this course he attained to the, advan to the advantage of bringing every man of his acquaintance into true relations with him. <laughs> cool. Uh, no man would think of speaking falsely with him, or of putting him off with any chat of markets or reading rooms. But every man was constrained by so much sincerity to the like plain dealing and what love of nature, what poetry, what symbol of truth he had, he did certainly show him. But to most of us, society shows not in its face and eye, but its side and its back. Hmm. To stand in true relations with men in a false age is to stand in true relations with men in a false age is worth a fit of insanity, is it not? <laughs> well, that's just the thing, isn't it? To stand in true relations with men in a false age. Now, why is he saying it's a false age? Because we have it wrong that all of this jitteriness comes up in us. We haven't yet um, thought enough about how to be genuine with people, is it? I don't know. I guess most people do try, but... I don't know. I, I, I get what he's getting at in this essay, even though it was written in probably like the mid 19th century. Um, where was I? The, but, but, uh, but maybe I'm repeating here. But to most of us, society shows not its face and eye, but its side and its back. To stand in true relations with men in a false age is worth a fit of insanity, is it not? Yep. Uh, we can seldom, we can seldom go erect. Um, meaning just like totally as you are is what he means by that. Almost every man we must, we meet requires some civility, requires to be humored. He has some fame, some talent, some whim of religion or philanthropy in his head that is not to be questioned. Oh, it's quite a few more pages, actually. Is there 24? 124. It's on, it ends on page 124. I'm on page 118 now, so six pages left. Um, I'm not going to look at the time. I think it's about 30 minutes. I don't know. Uh, and which spoils all conversation with him. So if a person has ideas about himself or he expects people to know certain things about him, the conversation gets spoiled with him, is it? But a friend is a sane man who exercises not my ingenuity, but a friend is a sane man who exercises not my ingenuity, but me. My friend gives me entertainment without requiring any stipulation on my part. My friend gives me entertainment without requiring any stipulation on my part. A friend, therefore, is a sort of paradox in nature. I who am alone... I who alone am, I who see nothing in nature whose existence I can affirm with equal evidence to my own, behold now the semblance of my being in all its height, variety and curiosity, reiterated in a f foreign form, so that a friend may be reckoned 
so that a friend may well be reckoned the masterpiece of nature. Hmm. Cool. He has a yeah. He has a good regard for friends, and f if you can um, find some good ones. <laughs> other the other element of friendship is tenderness. So I think these are the two elements. The last one was truth. Yeah, being your authentic self with someone. And then the other element, which he said he could not say one was more important than the other, but both were equally as important. The other element of friendship is tenderness. I'm assuming that's going to be about like sensitivity for what the other person is saying. We are holden to men by every sort of tie, by blood, by pride, by fear, by hope, by lucre. Don't know what that word means. By lust, by hate, by admiration, by every circumstance and badge and trifle. Uh, but we can scarce believe that so much character can subsist in another as to draw us by love. Can another be so blessed and we so pure that we can offer him tenderness can another be so blessed and we so pure that we can offer him tenderness or her when a man becomes dear to me or a woman <laughs> i have touched the goal of fortune i find very little written directly to the heart of this matter in books hmm. i find very little written directly to the heart of this matter in books it's true. I have never myself read about this. I find very little... Oh, I'm re repeating it. Um, and yet I have one text which I cannot choose but remember. And yet I have one text which I cannot choose but remember. My author says, I offer myself faintly and bluntly to those whose... I, to those whose I effectually am and tender myself least to him to whom I am the most devoted. Holding up this book. Maybe I can, can I leave it somewhere? But then it gets too echoey here, I think. Unfortunately, I have no way of knowing, but I just think it is getting echoey if I hold it like this. Anyway, I'll read that again. So this quote he's thinking of about friendship goes at, like follows... I offer myself faintly and bluntly. That's like faintly is like the tenderness and bluntly is like the truth maybe of what he was saying. To those whose, to those whose I effectually am, meaning kind of belong to or really get on with and tender myself least to him to whom I am the most devoted and tender myself least to him to whom I am most devoted. I wish that friendship should have feet as well as eyes and eloquence. It must plant itself on the ground before it vaults over the moon. That's kind of... Um, that's pretty cool. It must plant itself on the ground before it can vault itself over the moon. Before it can get to those heights, I think it must, first of all, have a really solid foundation, I think is what he's 
saying there. Um, where was I? I wish it to be a little, I wish it to be a little of a citizen before it is quite a cherub. <laughs> We chide the citizen because he makes love a commodity. It is an exchange of gifts, of useful loans. It is good neighborhood. Neighborhood. It watches with the sick. It holds the pall at the funeral and quite loses sight of the delicacies and nobility of the relation. But though we cannot find the God under this disguise of a subtler, yet on the other hand, we cannot forgive the poet if he spins his thread too fine and does not substantiate his romance by the municipal virtues of justice, punctuality, fidelity and piety. I hate the prostitution of the name of friendship to signify modish and worldly alliances. I much prefer the company of ploughboys and tin peddlers to the silken and perfumed amity, meaning friendship, which celebrates its days of encounter by a frivolous display, by rides in a curricle, which is like a boat, I think, and dinners at the best taverns. Uh -huh. uh, the end of friendship is a commerce. The end of friendship is a commerce, the most strict and homely that can be joined. The goal of friendship is a commerce, the most strict and homely that can be joined. More strict than any of which we have experienced. It is for aid and comfort through all the relations and passages of life and death. It is for aid and comfort through all the relations and passages of life and death. Mm -hmm. It is fit for serene days and graceful gifts and country rambles, but also for rough roads and hard fare, shipwreck, poverty and persecution. It keeps company with the sallies of the wit and the trances of religion. Excuse me. We are to dignify to each other the daily needs and offices of man's life and embellish it by courage, wisdom and unity. It should never fall into something usual and settled, but should be alert and inventive and add rhyme and reason to what was drudgery. Friendship may be said to require natures so rare and costly, each so well tempered and so happily adapted, and withal so circumstanced, for even in that particular, a poet says, Love demands that the parties be altogether paired, that is, that its satisfaction can very seldom be assured that its satisfaction can very seldom be assured. It cannot subsist in its perfection. Some say of those who are learned in this warm lore of the heart, between more than two, between more than two, hmm, I am not quite so strict in my terms, perhaps because I have never known so high a fellowship as others. I please my imagination more 
with a circle of godlike men and women variously related to each other and between whom subsists a lofty intelligence. Switch hands, get a drink while I'm doing it. So how, how's it going? <laughs> Um, but I find this law of one-to-one peremptory for conversation, which is the practice and consummation of friendship. Do not mix waters too much. The best mix as ill as good as bad. The best mix as ill as good as bad. You shall have very useful and cheering discourse at several times with two with two several men, but let all three of you come together and you shall have you shall not have one new and hearty word. All right, I think he, certain people you know you're going to get on with two people over there, but you know if you bring that third person in who you do get on with when you are with them, but if you bring all three together He's saying it might not work. You got to respect that, I guess, is what he's saying there. Um, in good company, there is never such discourse between two across the table as takes place when you leave them alone. In good company, there is never such discourse, meaning conversation, between two across the table as takes place when you leave them alone. In good company, the individuals merge their egotism. In good company, the individuals merge their egotism into a social soul. In good company, the individuals merge their egotism into a social soul exactly coextensive with the several consciousness with the several consciousnesses there present. No partialities of friend to friend, no fondness of brother to sister, of wife to husband, are there pertinent, but quite otherwise. Only he may then speak who can sail on the common thought of the party, and not poorly limited to his own. Now this convention, which good sense demands, destroys the high freedom of great conversation, which requires an absolute running of two souls into one. Hmm. What's he getting at there? For conversation, it's better one-on-one -on -one than it is with a lot of different people? I think that might be what he's trying to get at there. We'll go on. Uh, just a few pages left now. That's five pages left now. Um, no two men, but being left alone with each other, enter into simpler relations. No two men, but being left alone with each other, enter into, enter into <laughs> simpler relations. Yet it is affinity that determines which two shall come together. Unrelated men give little joy to each other, will never suspect the latent powers of each. Mm. We talk sometimes of a great talent for conversation, as if it were a permanent property in some individuals. 
Conversation is an evanescent, evanescent relation. No more. A ma- yeah, uh, I'll go on. A man is reputed to have thought and eloquence. He cannot, for all that, say a word to his cousin or his uncle. <laughs> yeah, because maybe that thought, that eloquence comes when there's that connection. Um, I don't know. Um, they accuse his silence with a much, with as much reason as they would blame the, insignif- the insignificance of a dial in the shade. In the sun, it will mark the hour. Among those who enjoy his thought, he will regain his tongue. Okay, friendship um, requires that rare men betwixt likeness and unlikeness that pick that peaks picks stimulates each with the presence of power and of con- consent consent in the other party let me be alone to the end of the world rather than that my friend should overstep by a word or a look his real sympathy um i guess he's talking about genuine friendship as opposed to a kind of a uh inauthentic friendship for the sake of uh, what? I'll go on. <laughs> I am equally balked uh, by, I mean, annoyed kind of, some of these words, 19th century English. I'm not so familiar with them. I am equally balked by, B-A-L-K-E-D. I am equally balked by antagonism and by compliance. Yeah. Yeah, not getting on with someone is the antagonism and compliance is just the kind of, uh, what is it, like agreeing just to get along. That Not so, not so authentic. Um, let him not cease an instant to be himself. Yeah, the only joy I have in his being, the only joy I have in his being mine is that the not mine is mine <laughs> is that the not mine is mine mm-hmm. i hate where i looked for a manly furtherance or at least a manly resistance to find a mush of concession a kind of wanting someone to have a strong opinion and if you're talking to someone and you just get mush <laughs> back um it's not as uh not as good for conversation better be a nettle in the side of your friend than his echo better be a nettle in the side of your friend than his echo yeah there again it's it's like you you would be getting on with someone even if at the back of your mind you kind of know this is a bit inauthentic or something but you don't maybe you you uh, are afraid to leave that to go find something more authentic, perhaps is what he's getting at here. Um, the condition which high friendship demands is ability to do without it. 
that high office requires great and sublime parts. There must be very two, there must be very two before there can be very one. Yeah, and this is where his self-reliance essay goes hand in hand with his view of friendship. You know, you have to know yourself first. You have to be able to be yourself first before you can actually really be a friend to someone else. Yeah, that's 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 cool line there. Um, where was it? There must there must be really like two individuals before there can be really one. And what he means by the one is that coming together of the two. Uh, yeah. Let it be an alliance of two large, formidable natures, mutually beheld, mutually feared, before yet they recognize the deep identity with uh, which beneath these disparities unites them. Before, before yet they recognize the deep identity which beneath these disparities unites them. Um... Excuse me. Um, he only is fit for this society who is magnanimous, who is sure that greatness and goodness are always economy, who is not swift to intermeddle. Thought I recognized the person on the street, but I don't <laughs> outside on the street. Um, who is not swift to intermeddle with his fortunes. I'll read that again. He is only fit for this society who is magnanimous. That's like a graceful, powerfully graceful, who is sure that greatness and goodness are always economy. Who is not swift to intermeddle with his fortunes. Let him not intermeddle with this. Leave to the diamond its ages to grow nor expect to accelerate the births of the eternal. Friendship demands a religious treatment. Mm -hmm. That's certainly what he's getting at here. He, he said, what did he say earlier on? We don't approach our friends, our potential friends, like it's a sacred act. That's very cool. Like it could be someone who, with whom you can speak your soul <laughs> your innermost being with this is quite a you could say a spiritual encounter um friendship demands a religious treatment we talk of choosing our friends but friends are self-selected god this book is heavy for it's not even that big but it's well i guess when you're holding it like this for enough time it gets a bit a bit of a, what do you call it? Stiff, anyway. Um, we talk of choosing our friends, but friends are self-selected. Mm -hmm. Reverence is a great part of it. Treat your friend as a spectacle. Of course he has merits that are not yours and that you cannot honor. If you must, if you must, needs hold him close to your person if you must needs hold him close to your person if you must needs hold him close to your person stand aside give those merits room let them mount and expand 
are you the friend of your friend's buttons or of his thought? To a great heart, he will still be a stranger in a thousand particulars, that he may come near in the holiest ground. Leave it to girls and boys to regard a friend as property. <laughs> and to suck a short and all-confounding pleasure instead of the noblest benefit. Yeah. That's another kind of a... Um, well, no, it's actually kind of the same point. It's, it's all about... Um, yeah, guarding your solitude, being really yourself with someone else his maintaining is the best way to have a friendship and is the most sincerest way to have a friendship rather than this kind of like just getting on with someone because you don't want to be by yourself perhaps or you don't want to be with or yeah you don't want to take the time to go find someone else who's more um who you have more affinity with yeah um and that's kind of a I get, he's kind of he says here leave that to girls and boys I'll just go on. Let us buy our entrance to this guild by a long probation. <laughs> yeah, this kind of view of friendship. Yep, he, he's suggesting it will entail a lot of preparation to get there. Um, but he's suggesting that it's worth it. Um, why should we desecrate noble and beautiful souls by intruding on them why insist on rash personal relations with your friend why go to his house or know his mother and brother and sisters why be visited by him at your own are these things material to our covenant essential to our ideal i think he means leave this touching and clawing <laughs> let him be to me a spirit, a message, a thought, a sincerity, a glance from him. I want, but not news, not pottage, food. I can get politics and chat and neighborly conveniences from cheaper companions. Should not the society of my friend be to me poetic, pure, universal, and great as nature itself. Wow. Ought I to feel that our tie is profane in comparison with yonder bar of cloud that sleeps on the horizon or that clump of waving grass that divides the brook? Let us not vilify, but raise it to that standard. Ought I to feel that our tie is profane, meaning kind of like, uh, is that like um, undeserving? Yeah, like not right for feeling shit. Like, yeah, if, if your friendship is, like he's suggesting, not based on the right kind of uh, principles, based out of fear, maybe, of, of just being alone, taking the time to get to know yourself. And uh, so you can know who maybe you're going to be better off with. Yeah, so he's just kind of saying how, like, nature is so itself 
that you're you should be like that <laughs> to be truly friends with someone uh that's why he said am i to be ashamed in the face of nature when i look at my my friendships is what he's talking about um that great defying eye that scornful beauty of his mien and action not sure m-i-e-n means now again haven't seen that in a long time do not pique yourself on reducing but rather fortify and enhance worship has superiorities wish him not less by a thought but hoard and tell them all Guard him as thy counterpart. Let him be to thee forever a sort of beautiful enemy. Let him be to thee forever a sort of beautiful enemy, untamable, devoutly revered, and not a trivial conveniency to be soon outgrown and cast aside. Devoutly revered and not a trivial conveniency to be soon outgrown and cast aside. The hues of the opal, the light of the diamond, are not to be seen if the eye is too near. To my friend I write a letter, and from him I receive a letter. That seems to you a little. It suffices me. Hmm. It is a spiritual gift worthy of him to give and of me to receive. It profanes nobody. In these warm lines, the heart will trust itself as it will not to the tongue and pour out the prophecy of a godlier existence than all the annals of heroism have yet made good. Respect so far the holy laws of this friendship and not to prejudice its perfect flower by your impatience for its opening yeah this is just the main point he's making one of the main points he's making true friendship is based on quite a mature understanding of of uh of um individualism yeah of uh respect for yourself yeah um of yeah i'll just go on where is it um where is it where is it where is it okay yeah respect so far the holy laws of this fellowship as not to prejudice its perfect flower by your impatience for its opening we must be our oh, we must be our own yeah there you are before we can be another's there is at least this satisfaction in crime. According to the Latin proverb, you can speak to your accomplice on even terms. There is at least this satisfaction in crime. According to the Latin proverb, you can speak to your accomplice on even terms. Oh, here, here is the Latin phrase maybe. Crimen quas inquinat aquat. Totally got that wrong probably. Um... You can speak to your accomplice at least this satisfaction in crime. You can speak to your accomplice on even terms. Um, to those whom we admire and love, at first we cannot. Yet the least defect of self-possession, 
vitiates, in my judgment, the entire relation. Um, there can never be deep, there's only three pages left now, there can never be deep peace between two spirits, never mutual respect, until in their dialogue, each stands for the whole world. Yeah, it's quite, um, yeah, sounds pretty cool, no? <laughs> um, what is so great as friendship? Let us carry with what grandeur of spirit. Let us carry with what grandeur of spirit we can. Let us be silent so we may hear the whisper of the gods. Let us not interfere who set you to cast about what you should say to the select souls or how to say anything to such, no matter how ingenious, no matter how graceful and bland? There are innumerable degrees of folly and wisdom, and for you to say zero is to be frivolous. Wait, and thy heart shall speak. Wait until the necessary and everlasting overpowers you, until day and night avail themselves of your lips. The only reward of virtue is virtue. The only way to have a friend is to be one. You shall not come nearer a man or woman by getting into his house. If unlike his soul... If unlike, his soul only flees the faster from you, and you shall never catch a true glance of his eye. We see the noble afar off, and they repel us. Why should we intrude? Late, very late, we perceive that no arrangements, no introductions, no consuetudes, this is a strange word, what was that? Con, C-O-N-S-U-E-T-U-D-E-S. -E -E you can type it into Google or something there. <laughs> or habits of society. No, something or habits of society would be of any avail to establish us in such relations with them as we desire. But solely the uprise of nature in us to the same degree it is in them. Mm. Then shall we meet as water with water, and if we should not meet them then, we shall not want them, for we are already they. In the last analysis, love is only the reflection of a man's own worthiness from other men. Men have sometimes exchanged names with their friends, as if they would signify that in their friend each loved his own soul. Men have sometimes exchanged names with their friends, as if they would signify that in their friend each loved his own soul. The higher the style we demand of friendship, of course the less easy to establish it with flesh and blood. Blood, blood, blood. yeah. It's quite a high ideal of friendship indeed. 
Um, it's interesting. Sounds good. Uh, we walk alone in the world. Friends such as we desire are dreams and fables. Mm. But a sublime hope cheers ever the fateful heart. That elsewhere, in other regions of the universal power, souls are now acting, enduring and daring, which can love us and which we can love. He's kind of saying, yeah, we have hope for these. It's quite difficult to find it. Um, and even if we did find it to maintain it or for it to work, uh, it's hard to get it, he's saying. But um, we, we, we humans have lots of unending hope that it can happen, I think. We may congratulate ourselves that the period of non-age, of follies, of blunders and of shame is past in solitude. And when we are finished men, we shall grasp heroic hands in heroic hands. Yeah, I think he, he's kind of talking about, for example, his self-reliance essay. <laughs> if a person is kind of trying to develop that in themselves, it could take maybe years. <laughs> and then he's kind of here saying, when a person has come through that, and then they come out the other side and they may have this conception of friendship like he has, um, then it will be like, as he puts it, then we shall grasp heroic hands in heroic hands. Only be admonished by what you already are, already see. Not to strike leagues of friendship with cheap persons where no friendship can be, or impatience betrays us into rash and foolish alliances which no god attends. What's that phrase? It's better to be in no company at all than to be in bad company. Um, by persisting in your path, though you forfeit the little, you gain the great. Uh, by persisting in your path, though you forfeit the little, you gain the great. Mm -hmm. You demonstrate yourself so as to put yourself out of the reach of false relations. You demonstrate yourself so as to put yourself out of the reach of false relations. And you draw to you the firstborn of the world. Those rare pilgrims whereof only one or two wander in nature at once and before whom the vulgar great show as spectres and shadows merely. It is foolish. Um, it is foolish to be afraid of making our ties too spiritual, as if so we could lose any genuine love. Whatever correction of our popular views we make from insight, Whatever correction of our popular views we make from insight, nature will be sure to bear us out in, and though it seems it seem to rob us of some joy, will repay us with a greater. Let us feel, if we will, the absolute insulation of man. We are sure that he that we have all in us. We go to Europe 
or we pursue persons or we read books in the instinctive fate that these will call it out and reveal to and reveal us to ourselves beggars all <laughs> the persons are such as we the europe and old faded garment of dead persons the books their ghosts let us drop this idolatry let us give over this mendicancy that word was in the last essay as well i must look it up I'm not sure what that means um uh, let us ever bid our dearest friends farewell and defy them saying who are you unhand me i will be dependent no more ah seest thou not o brother that thus we part only to meet again on a higher platform and only be more each others because we are more our own mm -hmm. a friend is janus faced he looks to the past and the future he is the child of all my foregoing foregoing hours the prophet of those to come and the harbinger of a great friend last paragraph of second last page i do then with my friends as i do with my books i would have them where i can find them but i seldom use them we must have society on our own terms and admit or exclude it on the slightest cause we must have society on our own terms and admit or exclude it on the slightest cause i cannot afford to speak much with my friend if he is great he makes me so great that i cannot descend to converse in the great days presentments presentments hover before me in the firmament i ought then to dedicate myself to them i go in that i may seize them i go out that i may i go in that i may seize them i go out that i may seize them i fear only that i may lose them receding into the sky in which now they are only a patch of brighter light then though i prize my friends i cannot afford to talk with them and study their visions lest i lose my own <laughs> it would indeed give me a certain household joy to quit this lofty seeking yeah i was just going to say what he just said there where is it though i prize my friends i cannot afford to talk with them and study their visions lest i lose my own see it's all about uh even if you're with someone it's all about still maintaining kind of who you are and not just like losing yourself into someone else um yeah um it would indeed give me a certain household joy to quit this lofty seeking this spiritual astronomy or search of the stars by getting to know yourself and come down to warm sympathies with you but then I know well I shall mourn always the vanishing of my mighty gods. Yeah, he's just saying he can't give up this <laughs> this like uh uh affinity for his own um s like solitude whether with someone or by himself. Um it is true 
Next week, I shall have languid moods when I can well afford to occupy myself with foreign objects. Then I shall regret the lost literature of your mind or wish you were by my side again. But if you come, perhaps you will fill my mind only with new visions, not with yourself, but with your lusters. And I shall not be able any more than now to converse with you. So I will owe to my friends this evanescent intercourse. I will receive from them not what they have, but what they are. They shall give me that which properly they cannot give, but which emanates from them. But they shall not hold me by any relations less subtle and pure. But they shall not hold me by any relations less unless they are subtle and pure. We will meet as though we meet not and part as though we parted not. Yeah, he's really emphasizing, I guess, still kind of like the individualism. Last paragraph. It, it has seemed to me lately more possible than I, kn than I knew to carry a friendship greatly on one side without due correspondence on the other. Why should I cumber myself with regrets that the receiver is not capacious? I must look up that word. Capacious. It never troubles the sun that some of its some of his rays fall wide and vain into ungrateful space, and only a small part and only a small part on the reflecting planet. <laughs> Let your greatness educate the crude and cold companion. If he is unequal, he will presently pass away. But thou art enlarged by thy own shining and no longer a mate for frogs and worms. Dust soar, dust soar and burn. Like he means like you go soar and burn with the gods of an Empyrean. It is thought a disgrace to love unrequited. It is thought a disgrace to love unrequited. Unrequited means it's not coming back to you. But the great will see that true love cannot be unrequited. True love transcends the unworthy object and dwells and broods on the eternal. And when the poor interposed mask crumbles, it is not sad, but feels rid of so much earth and feels its, its independency the surer. Yet these things may hardly be said without a sort of treachery in the relation. The essence of friendship is entireness, a total magnanimity of and trust. It must not surmise or provide for infirmity. It treats its objects as a god that it may defy both. It treats its objects as a god that it may defy both. Well, that's the end of the essay. Let me see how long that went on for. An hour? Oh, an hour 27. Mm, yeah, okay. Um, so there you go. It's a pretty... Uh, it's a pretty well-presented ideal of... Um, 
of his view of friendship, a very high ideal for friendship. And it's all kind of based on his, yeah, on his philosophy of, um, of uh, self-realization, self-actualization, um, being your authentic self, individualism, um, which is all you can be. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a... Yeah, I mean, as you can see, he's into having friends, let's say, but he's just talking about um, his his perfect ideal of his ideal friend would be one, excuse me, one that uh, sees friendship like the way he sees it. Um, yeah, interesting. I yeah, like he says in the book in the essay, he's never read anyone. He hasn't read too much or seen too much written about that subject. Um, that was the first time I think I've ever read something particularly like, like a whole essay about that essay, uh, the whole S a whole essay about that subject. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Lots of food for thought. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I can th think I can leave it at that. I just thought that would, uh, cause as I said at the start, I mean, there's even some other essays here that, uh, I might I might read some other time. Um, I, I'll probably read them myself. Whether I'm going to do do them for a podcast, I don't know. But um, yeah, I just that's, this is the third essay now I've read from him, and yeah, I just think he's a very good writer. Um, very interesting, very really honest. It's it's cool. Um, I like that about him. Um, I've heard uh, that Nietzsche was a big fan of this guy's writing. Um, yeah, and so I think that's it. I think, uh, yeah, I think I can leave it at that. Hope that was interesting. <laughs> okay, one hour and 30 minutes in five, four, three, two, one. Ciao.